guest coming in hot with episode 61 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and we've got the whole team assembled, fully fit squad today. Jobber? Are we, are we fully fit? I'm just, oh, I'm, well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm injured Barney is Barney is Barney. So. Yeah. <laughs> Coupled hamstrings. <laughs> Speaking of the man, Barn, how are you? Yeah, good thanks, Sean. Just getting my allotted two hours of exercise in a day and fully using that two hours of, as always. Yeah, you would. I know you, Sam, and you would be doing that. Good hamstrings. <laughs> All right. Um, so season's over. Man City are the champions. Um, we've got the European B-League to review um, and some big weekly happenings. So, Jobba, let's go, mate. Weekly happenings. What's up? All right, boys. So, look, let's get into the first one. The Tinker Man's Talk Tactics. Now, Barney, what is this? So... This is uh, Thomas Tuchel and Pep Guardiola uh, meeting for champagne and wine spritzes in Munich six years ago. So uh, Tuchel won Pep's attention after he impressed with some Mainz performances and uh, they then met in a bar in Munich and discussed tactical changes uh, over past games and, and many other topics for four hours. And at the end of it, Pep wanted to uh, Tuchel to take over at Bayern. So I could only imagine a fairly intense encounter. Um, so it looks sound, sounds and looks like Tuchel's following in um, Pep's footsteps in in a number of ways. So yeah, he's like you know becoming one of the one of the best managers um, in the world. His hairlines um, receding back just like Pep's. So yeah, they've got a lot in common. I imagine this meeting with um, um, like drinks or cocktails, like all set up in like a four three three versus like a three five two and stuff like that, and then doing tactics on the table. That's how I see this happening. And then Ollie coming in with a Christmas pudding over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie's like, who's the sixpence though? <laughs> <laughs> You're a big centre forward, a big burly one. Um, just do you do you think that those types of conversation is why both of them are going bald? Do you think like, there's so much strain going through those brains yeah. that the hair is like, it's growing inward to support the brains? Literally pulling <laughs> their hair out. Yeah, I think so. I, I imagine so. I would I would have been a really good um, third party there, Barney. A lot, I'd say a lot of it would go over your head, mate. Um, well, just, that deep, just that deep stuff that they would have gone through. I'm pretty smart. Yeah. Just ask me. <laughs> um, all yeah, right, so Jobber's like, oh, so flick it out to the right back and then <laughs> fucking hoof it. Yeah. So, so what, why is he going through the midfield? He can kick it further than that. <laughs> skip the block. Skip the block. Skip yeah. the block. Yeah, um, how tall is the striker? 6'4"? Uh, yeah, no, don't worry about the midfield. Um, <laughs> all right, boys. So look, the next, one, the next one is more my wheelhouse. So the managerial merry-go-round continues. Barney, I'll let you start us off again. So Zizou leaves Real Madrid. Conte leaves Inter. Um, who else have we got in there? Well, according to Potchwatch, we could see the big man back at Spurs. Unbelievably, only 18 months after being sacked by Spurs, apparently he and Daniel Levy are pretty keen on him coming back. So, yeah, we will, we will see a bit of a merry-go-round. We've see, we'll see the um, – we've just – Seen Perlo get sacked, and Allegri's come in to Juventus. Uh, Inza- the better Inzaghi is gone to Inter Milan. So he's not yeah, the better Inzaghi. Conte I, to I, Real. I, I, I... Coach, 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 better coach. coach thank you. Sure. That's Give better. him that at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
Zidane to PSG, Poch back to Spurs. It it could it could happen. It could happen. There's a lot of a lot of uh, inside sources who are who are pretty um, coy on um, Poch coming back, and obviously all the fans would welcome him back with open arms. But uh, yeah, apparently PSG are pretty pretty against him leaving um, and want to you know build a bit of a project with him. Um, but he's he's sort of struggling with not having as much um, sort of power and influence yeah. at PSG as he as he had at Tottenham, um, which is something he liked. And there was actually a great a great uh, quote I saw on this from a uh, a source close to the situation who said Tottenham <laughs> may be looking to start a fire in somebody else's house to deflect from their own arson, which I thought was pretty <laughs> pretty true that, of the whole situation. That reads but, like that's a crashing why, um, tabloid. It does. Um, that's why Tuchel, um, part of his reason for leaving PSG, he said okay. that, um, yeah, you, it's not about just being a, a good coach. You've got to be, um, oh, what do you say? Politician. You have to be a politician yeah, there as well. Yeah. yeah. So maybe um, Poch is um, suffering from that a bit. But what's the likelihood that he comes back, do you think, Barney? I I think there's pro- he's probably very close to like the top the top runners for the job. I think it's probably like, unfortunately, I think it's like, him, Martinez, not unfortunate for him, but unfortunate Martinez, <laughs> Martinez. Roberto Martinez, uh, Ten Hag, and maybe Graham Potter are probably the four likely. Because like, we're not like there's like, people talking about Conte going to Tottenham, and let's be realistic, he's not he's not going to go to Tottenham. Zidane's not going to go to Tottenham. So I think there's realistic like managerial expectations. Yeah, it's almost as if Tottenham need to fall in line and wait till some of these other bigger clubs make a decision on who, like, if you go Zidane and and you know this guy goes um, Conte or whatever, mm. then the lay of the land will be a bit clearer and you can see who's actually uh, available. Um, but at the moment, I think like yeah, you can't really shop down the same aisles around Madrid. But apparently, Zidane wants to get straight back into um, managing. He doesn't want to take any time off. So like, if you think at the clubs that he go to, he's left Real Madrid. Juventus is tied up. Inter's tied up. Like, was was Juventus tied up? Sam, you reckon Allegri's? He's already done. been confirmed. confirmed. Yeah, I, saw, I saw Perlo yeah. got the sack. I thought that was about well, twelve no, months I think too Allegri- late. <laughs> You've never mentioned it either. So that's good. No. Uh, no. Yeah, Allegri's been confirmed. Uh, yeah, okay. Inzaghi's been confirmed. So then, really, the only place for Zidane to go is if PSG, PSG. open that up. That makes sense. Yeah. But, I, I thought he would have gone to Juve. Obviously, he played there. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I thought. Had, as well. had many of his good years there. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I've always worried about like managers going back to places they've been before. Like Zidane, obviously, like oh, he'll come back to be the hero. It didn't quite work out. They weren't horrible, but they were probably worse than they were the year before. And then Allegri as well. Like I just wonder if like that's I don't know if it is the match made in heaven that they make it out to be. Like they that squad's gone backwards, and the same with Poch. Like I don't know. I'll. I don't know why they're so keen to go back to jobs that they've left. Like you obviously left for a reason and you're like, oh, now it's okay. Yeah, I I think the, the posh thing could end. I could see it ending ending badly like because like he comes back, he can't get at the, what he needs out of the squad. He, like I know Levy doesn't back him on a few signings he wants and then we're back at square one where we're mid-table like, tw- like 15 games into the season and and. They're like only options to sack Levy again. Like it, I, I'd never want that, but yeah, I, I could see it happening. Yeah. All right, Barney. So you're on a 24 hour potch watch for now for the rest of the week. Updates coming. 
Updates coming. All right, so next one is the Euro 2020 squads have been named. Sean, I know you're particularly excited about the England squad and the 15 right-backs that Gareth Southgate's named. Yeah, four right-backs. Um, and Gareth defended that by saying that they can all play in different positions. I think he had Trippier saying um, he can play at left-back. He had Alexander-Arnold saying he can play on the wing or in midfield as well. So that's sort of how he's justified. But interestingly, they're only allowed to choose 26, and they've gone with 33. Um provisional squad and I can't work out why because I can't like say for example um Ollie Watkins like what's he going to do in the next week to prove himself that he's in the squad or, or not so the only thing is it have to be for like injuries in these two European games the um the Europa League I think um, I think he may, he may have said that he's like betting he's betting in like the younger guys so some of the young guys like Ben Godfrey um, even Ben White from Brighton and a few of those younger guys who aren't going to make the squad, he's just betting into like the system and getting him used to like the England system and stuff like that and the, I guess like the training camps and that. Worked to so see they won't well, actually but, go. So they're, yeah. like they're not, yeah, like you say, unless there's an injury, they're not actually going to go. Yeah. Yeah. When when you look at that England squad, like I know there's a couple of blokes who are pretty unlucky to miss out like Ings, Bamford, but it's not really Madison, that yeah. controversial, is it? Like it's pretty close not, with Alexander Arnold on the fringe. It's pretty close to what you expected. Yeah, I think it is at the moment, but the I think it will become controversial because at the moment it's thirty three and he has to go down to twenty six. So yeah, soon enough, um, you know, a Grealish or someone like that is going to, or Alexander Arnold's going to miss out in the next cut. I think so. Yeah, I don't think it's controversial at the moment. Everyone's there. You sort of expected, um, but I think yeah, the next cut will be. Uh, He'll have to chop some names. Who, who do you think are the three guaranteed cuts? Or you think if you can get down to 26, go, go ahead. Oh, I think Ollie Watkins doesn't go. Yeah. And I think Saka doesn't go. Yes. Yeah, and and they've got four keepers at the moment. So I think Tim one of them will go. Out, I think. Yeah. In goals. They're, they're probably he, the he, obvious ones. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel like he's um, he's caved a little bit in picking Alexander-Arnold. Like if he doesn't fit in what you're playing, he doesn't fit. Like you can think of, you know, past England players who didn't fit or times when they've tried to fit people in like Leopard Jared for so long that weren't fitting in the system. Um, I feel like he's caved a little bit and picked Alexander-Arnold in that respect. Yeah, I think Alexander-Arnold doesn't fit in a four because there's superior right backs in a four. But um, at three at the back with a wing back, I think he's perfect to play wing back out of those um, out of those guys, yeah, like you wouldn't, you might not necessarily have Trippier as a wing back. Um, you could have Reese James as a wing back, and, and you wouldn't have Walker as a wing back. He'd be in, in the back three, so he's probably the best option if you want to go forward. Yeah, um, yeah. I just saw. I think Donny Van der Beek's been named in the Netherlands squad. Remember him? Yeah, what? But how? Because he hasn't played any football, so <laughs> mate, he's he's fresh. <laughs> Obviously, not picking <laughs> on form. No, he's injury free. Um, all right, so next one is Sam. You've got here multi-update. What have you got for us? And is this going to segue into our next segment? I think it will segue pretty nicely because the Yellow Submarine have gotten up and the first leg of our multi is complete and correct and we're still alive. And I'd say mm. it was probably the riskiest leg of the, the multi as well. So it's it's only up from here. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're, we're alive for once. We're not, we haven't lost it on the first leg. So great tips by me and, uh, more updates to come. 
right, let's get, into, let's get into the champion, oh, the Europa League final. Disappointing for Manchester United fans everywhere. Sean, what did you think? Yeah, I thought the the game sort of broke up into to two halves. I thought um, Villarreal were good for the first half and and controlled most of the game. And I think the second half, Manchester United um, took over a bit. I think what kept Villarreal in the game was their subs. They made five subs inside the 90. Um, Oli panicked um, and maybe the iPad reads weren't coming through and he made no changes, um, which I thought was a bit odd when they really could have done with some um, changes to you know, try and break the game. Um, yeah, decent goal by Cavani, couple of close calls, but not a whole lot of chances over the, the 90, don't you think? Yeah, it was um it was pretty disappointing in the first half. Like, Manchester United, how can they still be starting games so slow? And then I think the other thing that was like really apparent for the goal, and I know it's it's easy to sort of pick off the low hanging fruit, but um the absence of Harry Maguire, like Victor Lindelof was badly at fault for that goal. Like that's a long range free kick, and he loses the striker and he's held off way too easily. Yeah, there's a there's a big gap between the the centre backs there and. Moreno really exploited it. I think um I think as well it was just um Villarreal were happy to sit back and soak it up and and um defended really well and then Man United, as we know, just don't break down teams really well who defend like that, and especially teams who are, you know, a bit more talented and have something going forward and can threaten. Um so yeah, again, another instance of Man United not being able to to break down teams and I just don't like when big teams are like they can't break it down they a lot of them don't like you see like Man City and Leeds are good, good examples of it is they just they can't break you down they'll just start moving the ball really quickly side to side and you yeah. just don't see that from some teams which seems like such an obvious thing to to try like let's just move it quick side to side quick switches see if we can expose something but yeah they didn't seem to be able to do that if it, if it doesn't happen through Bruno Fernandes like, and it was previously if it didn't happen through Paul Pogba. Like, it doesn't happen through Bruno Fernandes now. It just doesn't happen for Manchester United. Yeah. Well, the, Manchester United only had two shots on target the whole game. So I think that just shows how, you know, how many chances that they created and just a little um, snapshot of, yeah, how well they did breaking down that, that low block. But, like, a lot was made of Bruno's performance job. Do you think he went missing and or is it, and like a lot of people, yeah, said he went missing and, was, and were like, you know, it's his fault that we didn't win. He's meant to be a big game player, et cetera, et cetera. Or was it just like he's already done that, you know, 30 times this year? <laughs> Does times he really need to do it again to, to prove anything? Well, yeah, what I think, what side it's, I think it's interesting because I don't think he went missing. I think the bit that's like missing in that statement is like, Villa, as Barney said, Villarreal defended really well and they like made those lines very tight. So they made those spaces that he gets into really hard for him to get into. And you like you could see his frustration. And the thing I do like about Fernandez is he didn't have a great game, and he is like his games are based on those things that come off. And if they don't come off, he looks really bad. But um, he doesn't stop trying. He didn't stop trying. But like I think VRL just defended him really, really well. Knowing I think credit's got to go to Emery again, setting them up like they knew what Manchester United were going to do, and they defended well. Um, I think I think it's more like a it's a bigger problem than just saying Fernandez had a bad game. It's like we know there's no plan B. 
And what did you think of his um, coaching? Because um, he sacked Ollie at the end of the game oh. and after those extra time huddles um, at halftime and then at, at full time. Um, yeah, he was running tings and Ollie was uh, very much a passenger. What did you make of that? It was, it was really interesting, wasn't it, to watch Emery go through mm. like his heavy, heavy tactical things at the end there. And then Ollie was like, I don't know if he's still trying to fix the iPad or what was going on. I think but- he was trying to show him his score on Angry Birds. Boys, look at this guy. It's it's weird. Like, no subs. And, like, the time comes for you to be the manager. And, like, you just, you're doing nothing. Like, you're like, oh, Bruno, can you take care of this, please? Like, when's Bruno going to start doing the transfers? Like, I totally agree. I think it's one of those ones where people look back and and judge that based on the outcome as opposed to judging it how it it should be judged. So, let's say Manchester United go on and win that. Um, everyone's like, Ollie's a genius. Look at him. He's empowering the players to take control of the game and (laughs) it's a great decision and stuff like that. But now that they've lost, everyone's like, oh, you know, he's not a real coach and stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't think you can sort of wait until the game pans out to make a comment on that. I thought at the time it was rather odd and essentially that's that's what you paid for and surely you've got something to say or you've picked or, or not even you really like even if Mike more than a feeling has found seen something on the pitch that um you know something more intricate inside their back four that you know the right back slow to push out or whatever it may be um that he can tell Oli to then get to the players but none of the staff really did anything I think really I think the, the best example for that for me is um like if you look at what Pep did with Manchester City and he had that problem with the centre-backs, but everyone knows it wasn't like the – like it wasn't John Stones that was the actual problem. It was the fact that the midfield didn't give him any cover. So he goes out, signs Rodri. Like he did something about it. He got Ruben Diaz in there as well. Like he, he knew there was a problem and over time he's like, we have a big problem, we solve it. Manchester United still haven't solved this slow start problem. Like they haven't done anything about it. And it just, mm. I don't know, it feels like he's just not – He's not as thoughtful about the game as these high-level top managers are. I think I just yeah I just think he's just not as he's and like we've said it before he's just not as good a manager and I don't think he's had enough experience at the high level to sort of be um, you know like Guardiola like he's he's been doing this at the at the top level for so long and mm. like and obviously he obsesses and thinks about the game a lot more than what Ollie would. And, and I think it just really shows in, like you said, those decisions to fix issues and knowing how to change things in game to to actually like yeah, get past a, a real plucky team like Villarreal. And that's just something Ollie doesn't have in the locker. And I think, yeah, when the going's good and United are winning, it's it's no, everyone forgets it and then it rears its ugly head as soon as he uh, – as soon as he, um, yeah, can't get around a team like that. But, yeah, what did you think of uh, extra time? Pretty, yeah, pretty boring. Yeah, it, it was so weird because, as Sean said, the second half, Manchester United looked far more likely. There was like this sort of, oh, they're going to run over the top from now and they just never did. And then as soon mm. as extra time came, like Vera were back on top. And I think that was, again, down to the, the five substitutes finding their legs. And I think the other thing in there is like the credit has to go to Emery for that. Like he made yeah. the changes. He's he, that's his fourth Europa League slash UEFA Cup slash whatever you want to call it. Um, but he managed that game really well, hmm. and that's the, that's why they got on top in extra time. And I think it's probably is why they won the penalty shootout as well. And David De Gea ignoring instructions. Yeah, just let's just let's just touch on that uh, penalty shootout <laughs> for, for a minute there. So yeah, you brought this up uh, for the pod job. Uh, the um, Tao. 
that David De Gea had, and he had every single Villarreal uh, penalty taker on there and their preferred uh, direction they like to shoot and which foot they hit it with as well. So why did he not follow any of those instructions? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think people are making a lot out of this. Um, oh, he has, you know, hasn't saved a penalty in five years and stuff. I, I think it's really hard for keepers to save penalties. Like I just want like, everyone should be aware of that. Like it's really difficult. Like if someone oh, yeah. is, if the footballer who's kicking the ball is better than like like he's a decent passer, he can pass the ball into a post from ten yards away, no problems. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Like I think Sean was it Gomez's penalty where it said he will hit it down the yeah. middle or something. Yeah, and that's Gomez's the only way he like, said, didn't, didn't stay in the middle. Yeah, it said, <laughs> yeah, it said right foot um, and and goes down the middle. And um, I think De Gea dived out the way and he went down the middle. Um, and that that was the sixth penalty. So. Th- um, because yeah, he was a sub. Um, so yeah, it, w- it would have been the sixth penalty, which means um, yeah, they would have gone on to to win it because obviously we're in sudden death at that point. But a really odd penalty shootout, right? So all um, outfield players score. It's locked at ten all in the penalty shootout, um, and then yeah, uh, really takes his penalty. And takes it like a goal kick, right? Just absolutely <laughs> blasts it into the yeah, um, top corner. And then, and then De Gea takes his, like he's an outfield player when he's obviously not um, and sort of opens his body late doors and then yeah, a, good, a good save by um, Ruli and then they lose, um, Manchester United lose um, on penalties um, to Villarreal 11-10, which is outrageous. But I also want to talk about the game of De Gea, right? So how's this for a day out? Um, you concede... Um, eleven goals and miss a penalty and lose a final and lose the final. That's a tough day out. Um, Jobber, have we seen the last of him? Is he moving on? I think so. Yeah, I love, there's no point. There's no point him and Dean Henderson staying. And I think um, it's pretty clear that he's number two. I don't. I think he's too good to be a cupkeeper. But also, I I think I've said it before, but I don't think he's like a really good team goalkeeper. I think he's a mid to higher tier team goalkeeper because it seems to be a bit of a problem with his focus. Um, mm. He's really good when the shots are being hammered in and he's like a 10 save goalkeeper. But when things aren't like he doesn't have to make a lot of saves and we've got a lot of the ball, he's not like that sweeper keeper mm. type player that you want at a big club. So I think he's going to move on in the summer. Yeah. Like I agree with that, that he's not, um, he's not at the top echelon in terms of um, like quality goalkeeping and, um, some of those bigger teams that you speak of that are in um, contention for titles are probably not going to want him. But the problem is his wages are at that top level. So if you look sort of down the ladder domestically um, in, in England, like you can't see a West Ham, a, a, a Leeds, an Everton, a Leicester taking him on with those type of wages. So, yeah, he's probably going to have to, you know. So um, I might throw another to- spanner in the works there as well. Um, Donna Rummer is leaving AC Milan as well. So now you've yeah. got two big name keepers, and to be honest, I can't think of two clubs who are in that upper echelon can pay the wages that actually need them. At least Donna Rumors uh, left on a free, at least, so you you could see a club picking him up, especially in Italy, yeah. picking him up, put him on big wages, and then like no transfer fee. No, no, that reeks of Barcelona um, a free transfer. Yeah, but that's, yeah, but yeah. Ter Stegen, Ter doing well. Like he's an excellent keeper. Like Juve have Chesney. Like he's doing really well as well, and he thinks he's the best keeper in the world. Um, I, I just think you're at Real, yeah. Courtois at Real Madrid, Navas at PSG. 
like Neuer at Bayern. There's no like I don't know where these guys are going to end up. Spurs. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That, but that, that's the one thing that makes me think that he might end up staying. That there's no real like massive club that um, needs a keeper, and and his wages. So I think he's just going to sit on the bench at um, Manchester United for the time to come. Um, interestingly, um, Henderson. There's an interview coming out that um, of three years ago. He said that um, he will be England's number one and Manchester United's number one in three years' time. So he's Manchester United's number one at the moment. So if he gets that number one shirt ahead of Pickford, um, yeah, he's uh, spoken it into reality. Do you want to? Do you want a hot, him. Do you want a hot take on uh, on De Gea? <laughs> a just, hot take. So he say he'll stay at uh, he'll stay at United, and halfway through the season, um, in the winter transfer, West Ham will pick him up at the bottom of his career, and he'll be absolutely revived, just like Jaylings. Jaylings. West Ham nah, is the new route for. He'll, he'll leave on loan before the season starts. You heard it here first. Sam Stradamus. Sam No. It. All right, boys. So I know that Europa League final was very exciting, but we do have to move on. Credit to Uno Emery with his fourth um, UEFA League Europa League title. Barney, I think you're taking the lead for the next segment. This is a really big moment for you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll be taking over the pod. Um, Sounds nervous already. <laughs> I thought that sounded all right. Um, all righty. So we will now be going through the predictions from the two weaker members of the pod. And I'll basically be telling them how dumb they are. That's how this is going to roll out. So uh-huh. um, just to go through the categories we've got, we've got uh, they've actually predicted a whole table um, with some real highlights coming up there. Um, we've got Golden Boot. We've got player of the season, surprise moment, uh, and surprise packet, or dark horse, as others like to call it. So but Barney, can we get the can we get the scoring here? So are you scored on the you're scored by if you get a team within that tier of how you're gonna run through it, is that right? Or yeah, so we we'll do some t- we we'll do some tiering on the table because it's uh it's pretty hard to predict a whole table one through to twenty. Um. Uh, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll see. So um so yeah, we're going to do tiers. So we'll do like we'll do champion, then we'll do top four, um, and then we'll do uh, the rest of Europe. So five through seven, then uh, eight through the ten, uh, eleven through fourteen, fifteen to seventeen, and then relegation. So right. let's bloody do it, mate. Let's see. All right, let's let's see. <laughs> I wonder why you're so chipper, Sean. Uh, all right, champions. <laughs> Both both of them had Man City, so point each there. Perfect. Obvious, Sean, that, Sean, that was pretty easy. Sean, did you copy my answer on that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, now moving through the rest of the top four, and uh, I'm sure Sean will, uh, will won't, won't let this one go. We've got uh, Sean with Man United, Liverpool, and Chelsea all in correct order. Wow! <laughs> oh, yeah, we only had a multi. No, I genuinely, no, I remember no. picking Man City, um, but I don't remember, and I remember that top four, but I didn't know um, what order um, it, it went in. Like, I forgot that. After we locked it in the um, football plate on paper safe um, in the sealed envelope, um, I forgot about it. You know how I know that you know nothing about football? You tipped Chelsea to finish fourth with Frank Lampard in charge. 
Yeah, oh, you you, you, get anticipated, sacked, you yeah. anticipated that for the whole season. You're like, oh yeah, Frank will do a good job. Frank, he was doing a good job early. It oh, really right. went south, though, didn't it? Yeah. And then, anyway, I got it right. Jobber, how'd you go? So uh, you go? the rest of the four for for Jobber, uh, Liverpool, United, and Wolves. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Where are Wolves? Oh, one, two, uh, yeah, I think they finished a, a good thirteen. I think. So yeah, just just slightly slightly wrong, slightly wrong, and we'll and we'll touch back on that Wolves prediction when we get to the surprise packet section of the predictions as well. Yeah, thank you. It makes no sense. Alrighty, uh, right five through seven. So Sean had Wolves, Everton, <laughs> and Leicester. So you get a point there, Sean. So yeah, that's one, not bad, is it? One point. Got Leicester in there. Yeah. Josh had Spurs, Chelsea, and Southampton. Oh, so, that's one point as well for Spurs qualifying for the ECL. Well done. Mm. All right. Now, eight through ten. Sean had Arsenal, Spurs, and Sheffield United. Wow. <laughs> Arsenal? I think you took their league position and divided by two to get that one. So, yeah. look like Sean had one point. Uh, and Josh had Leicester, Arsenal, and Everton. So oh, two, not two, much there. Two for oh. two for Josh there. Well done. Oh, oh Everton. Oh yeah. Everton, yeah. I yeah if, the club. You, if you got out bad there. <laughs> so uh all right. Now eleven through fourteen. For Sean, we've got the Saints, Palace, Burnley, and Newcastle. Oh, so, tick. I think that's three, is it? Uh, two. two there, isn't it? Oh yeah, Southampton. Yeah, sorry. Two there. Yeah. And Josh had Leeds Palace. Chef United no. and Brighton. No. Oh, he's got none. Oh, I got one. Who? Palace. Palace Fish, 14th. 14th. Yeah. They stuck yeah. into that category. All righty. Now, 15 through 17, this was. Uh, I think this looks not, good for me. No, it's go. not good. For, let's be honest, it's not good for anyone. Uh, <laughs> Sean had Leeds, Brighton, and West Ham. Oh, wow. Wow. Jeez, oh. right, didn't I? Let's, let's, let's hold on there, Josh. Uh, so Josh, <laughs> had, Josh had West Ham, West Brom, and Newcastle. That hurts. That hurts. It yeah. does that, that 15 to 7 category is the hardest, but. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that could end up there, and it only takes one team to have a shit season to, to end up scrapping there. Them. All right, relegation. Yeah, relegation. We had Fulham. West Brom and Villa for Sean. So Villa. two out yeah, of three. That's not bad. That's not yeah, bad. You two really weren't high on Villa at all. And then Josh <sighs> had Villa, Burnley, and Fulham. Oh, <laughs> what you thought West Brom were going to stay up? Switch on, mate. <laughs> yeah, obviously didn't read that Sam Allardyce is going to come in and and no. drive that club back down the championship. Alrighty, so no. I think uh, if we look oh. back, have a score check on that one, I think Sean might be leading. Oh, I might be leading. I'm by a long way, mate. <laughs> what, you didn't give me the bonus point for getting the right order either. There's no such, we're not doing bonus points, mate. This isn't the Super League. This is traditional Premier League rules. You get oh, one for one. it was. You know, Josh. <laughs> All righty. So, Golden Boot. Uh, I'm going to give Sean the benefit of the doubt here because I think he what? meant to write Orba, but he wrote Abba. Um, <laughs> yeah, so That's his nickname, Abba. Still, still wrong, but... that Swedish pop No, the point. Popping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's sign for us. Oh, oh, I thought it was what's your favourite band. Oh. <laughs> not, not very well known. And Josh had Kane. Hey, King Harry. I mean, predict- predictable. 
Alrighty. That's, what, that's what I did. Now we move on to player of the season. And this is this hasn't been uh, officially um, given yet by the association, but the Football Writers Association gave uh, it to Bruno Diaz. So that's usually a good indication of who's going to win win it for the league. So Sean had KDB. So mm, not a bad shot. He's on shortlist. He's, he's in contention, but he's. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win it. And then, wow, Josh oh, no. No. Sterling. Oh come on! He doesn't even start. I I don't. I honestly, I feel like this has to have been doctored because I know in my heart I would have went for Bruno Fernandez. Like disregarding all facts and science, I would have been like Bruno Fernandez. No, this re- this reeks of O'Brien. This does. This <laughs> it does. Minging predictions. Minging. Oh, no, it's on Outside. All right. Surprise moment of the season. So Sean had down just just all he had Marco Presser. So you want to explain that one a little further, maybe? Well, I thought he might have kicked off in a press conference at some point. Um, and, yeah, there'd be some scenes there. But I suppose the BL's a bit that was um, the highlight would have been that time he sat on his uh, piccolo coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> burn his ass. So, so as he didn't say it, he's called for a coffee from his assistant while he's standing up yelling at his players. And in, um, while he's doing that, the assistant drops it on his bucket, just sits it on top. <laughs> And then Bielsa, without turning around, just goes and sits down on his butt, back on his bucket and um, gets a, a little uh, espresso um, all over his butt. Marco, Marco <laughs> was fairly he was fairly tame this year, wasn't he? Like comparatively. Yeah. Do you think he's been given a talking to, saying, hey, we're in the Prem now? You like, can't. Oh, as, if, as if you could give that man talk a talking to. to. <laughs> that would have been the moment that pushed him over the edge. For, like, yeah. himself. He, he'll have, when we do our ones for next year, I'm going to put a Marco Bielsa brain fade. Um, as my moment, that's, that's too second generic. Year, second year, he will collapse internally. You've, you've got okay. Well, I'm gonna, we're going to bring some rules in for the next one. You're going to be more specific than Marco Presser. That's just that's you, not good enough. Is, is we'll, 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 do one, we'll do one for the Euros. Presser. Yeah, yeah. We'll do one for the Euros. But is it just me, or is like um, you know Bunnings or Costco or I don't know whatever bucket brands there are out there? Are they missing a trick without that sponsorship to Bielsa? Massively. Yeah, it's a Huge. big opportunity. Big opportunity. It's the world's most famous brands. bucket. Exactly. All righty. Now, Josh had uh, Poch to return and then lose to Jose. Oh, so none of that happened. Uh, so what was, eh. the, what was the period that we said we were doing? Was it the next 18 months or 12? <laughs> no, I, just, I, just, <laughs> I think it was whatever timeline fits in with your prediction, right? Yeah, I'm going to say I, this could still happen, boys. If Jose goes to Wolves <laughs> and Poch goes to Spurs, I, I feel like we need to keep that one open and make it worth four points. So I could say that with Bielsa because you know that's going to happen too. Bielsa's going to boot off in a presser at some point. It's just a matter of when, so we're keeping it open. Oh, that's, that's not the spirit of the game, Sean. <laughs> All righty. So surprise packet or dark horse. So I just want to touch on how both of you had um, your predictions here, but neither of you had them finishing above Wolves. And none of you put Wolves as surprise packet. So, Sean had Everton. Yuck. Oh no, I'm surprised <laughs> back on their um, on their home form. You know, so just got tenth in the table, forty seven goals for forty eight against. They couldn't have been more mediocre. Um, I don't know if that's a surprise, but that is a surprise. Mm. The, the manager they got, mate. Yeah, we need. We Rodriguez, warn your minds back to that time he had a um, a praying mantis on his shoulder at the World Cup. 
Marty, maybe while you're doing the stakeout for Potch Watch, you can write some rules up so we can have a bit of guidelines. Because Sean just seems like he's bloody far in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Keep him nice and open-ended so yeah. if anything slightly like it happens, it's All righty, so Josh had leads. Oh, no. That's a point. <laughs> Bollocks, mate. They finished ninth and they were up and down all season. Every week was a, was a wild ride with the Leeds United boys. If you had Leeds second half of the season as your, predict, as your surprise packet, I would agree. But no, the first half of the year was shocking. Yeah, Leeds, that was winning and then losing, Leeds winning 4-0 one week and then losing 5-0 the next week. That's not a surprise. That's um, Beelzeesque. Except, except, acceptable, acceptable surprise packets would have been West Ham or Leicester to win the FA Cup. Yeah, oh. I don't think anyone's predicting that. Or Liverpool I'll, to drop off as bad as they did, and then yeah. finish third in line with Sean's prediction. Look, I'll give myself a point in my because I'm scoring. Um, <laughs> I know it's not easy, but they they just surprised every week, um, and they continue to surprise. It's beautiful. All right, how many more questions have we got? That's it. Was that one That's worth it. two? No, you still lose, I think. Yeah, no, I lose by a point. So, yeah, congratulations, boys. There was some Thanks, real ups and downs in that segment. Uh, but, you know, there'll be some better predictions for the Euros and even better ones for next season. More to come on that. Uh, so we're now going to move into a little bit of a uh, season review and just going through sort of each team, uh, how they performed um and where they can improve for next year so we'll start with man city and i'll open with this stat sergio aguero has the best minutes per goal ratio in the premier league 108 i don't think anyone anyone thought he wouldn't um but he could play another 2520 minutes of premier league action which is the equivalent of 28 full games and he'd still top the list is he the greatest striker ever in the premier league no, no, not for me. No, not for me. <laughs> it's a half gig. Yeah. No, well, he's, he's had a great, great run. Um, obviously, he goes out on top, um, wins the wins the title with City for one last time before he goes to Barca, I think he's believed to to be headed. Um, yeah. But yeah, hell of a run by him. Um, but I mean, Man City, if you look back um, early doors, they were down in ninth. I think that's time Spurs might have even been on top. That's how crazy the world was back then. Saints were um, on top at like Saints ten, were on top ten games in. Yeah. They, had, they put a post out on Twitter saying "Stop the count." <laughs> yeah, that was um, great. Le- Leicester had a little cameo in there too. Um, yeah, so uh, like they were a long way down, and then I think the thing that changed them was um, yeah um, Diaz um, getting the defense sorted, um, and from then on they really didn't concede much. I don't know a lot's made of their attack and their um, the millions of pounds they've spent up top, but yeah, I think he he's been the real difference, and he was the one of the main reasons why they've they've won the title by such a stretch. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think they're they're a um, fantastic team, and uh, I just don't see where they're gonna like like obviously they need a they probably need a striker, um, but to be fair, they could all, also probably go the whole season without one with the way they play, but. Apart from getting a striker in, that's the only place I'd say they need the strength in. And they've got such a good group coming through, like good balance of young and old in there that you just don't see them dropping off for at least another two years. So, yeah, it's uh, scary times for the rest of the league, but uh, very good team. So, so who, who do they go and get? So, like, if you're Harry Kane, do you, are you a bit nervous about going to City in case um, Pep does something crazy like... Um, 
go with a, a false nine and you don't get played or something like that? Or like, I mean, what's their what's their shortlist? Give me their their top three that they could realistically get and and look at. Harlan's definitely in there. I in think there. Kane, in there. yeah, possibly like. Lewandowski they could try and get but uh, yeah. I, I heard I, I saw a thing him talking about how he um he always wanted to play for Real Madrid but then he's found that Bayern's actually the club he loves the most so I doubt he's going to want to leave there especially how well he's playing there um and how much he's loved so yeah I guess like Harlan Kane and maybe Mbappe maybe I don't know we had other strikers they would Mbappe's not a proper like out and out striker though, so he doesn't really. But if you look at the strikers they've signed historically, they haven't like Aguero wasn't top tier when he came in. Like Jesus, obviously not. I I I think Kane. I think Kane's the obvious one, um, Mm. and Haaland. But that third, like the third one, I think like it's going to be more like it could be more in like the Gerard Moreno category, as in like a yeah yeah upper, upper tier. Hype striker, not top tier, but Pep's like, oh, I've seen this guy. He's got these attributes. I'm going to make him the best. Um, do, I think it's yeah. Kane or Harlan, someone who's going to be in that next tier. Do you think they do that to like bring in someone who's not like at the top of their game yet? So then they can he can, they can mold them more to his system. So like, I think bring, so. Yeah, because you bring, bring in Kane, in, yeah, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna want to like play to his his way. He's always play, and he's going to be harder to mold to that like system that Pep plays. I think so. No, yeah, I think and that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So I think what are we agreeing that it's it's going to be someone a bit younger, um, and not necessarily in that top tier. That way, yeah, Pep can you know mould him and bring him into the player that he wants to be, um, the, or that he thinks he needs. Um, and he can also pull the pull the card of a false nine and not play him at all. I just don't think you do that with someone like Ari. Yeah, yes. I think I think the problem with both um, Harry and Harland is like I think they're not what Pep is like. I think Harry Kane will go to Man City, but I think they're not necessarily what he'd look for because, as you said, he wants someone who can get involved in the play and do that false nine. That's his preference. Um, so it might be like someone who's not appearing heavily on the goal scoring charts right now, um, but he's like, yeah, I think I can make this bloke work for me. Yeah, and realistically, I don't like you've got all those players behind you, and you've got the style of play that you um, that he sort of runs, the, all those cutbacks and stuff like that. You don't really need like a striker who's going to you know whip one in from thirty yards into the top corner type thing. You you need someone who's like a fox in the box who makes like good darting runs and and can finish um, cutbacks. Realistically, yeah. that, that that's what they need. Yeah, I think it, I, the two that I had written down outside of Kane and Haaland was Gerard Moreno from Villarreal and Yusuf and Nezri from Sevilla. Um, oh, yeah. The two people. Like they, because they're like not the top tier, but they're the next tier. And I think that they're, they're moldable for, for Pep. Mm, definitely. All righty. Moving on to the uh, Manchester B team, oh. uh, Manchester United. Um, so finished second. Um, pretty comfortably in second, you'd say. Like, uh, never really looked like losing it, but also didn't really challenge for the title at all. So, I mean, they managed to build some grit in their team by coming from behind and winning a lot of games. Um, obviously, not great that they're behind that much, but uh, yeah, what did you boys think about United season? Go on, Sean. I've only got, we've, well, we haven't got enough time for me to go well, through. I thought- 
Well, I thought they did okay. I think they got an honourable second. They never really pushed um, City in terms of a legit uh, title race. No trophies again this year. I think you've got to you've got to put it down as a uh, like a, a a slight fail um, for Manchester United. I think you, they yeah. If you can't push for the title, you need to win a cup of some description, and they, they didn't do that. So yeah, trophyless again. Um, they need a, a centre back, I think. Um, and they probably need um, someone in that defensive midfield line. Like if you're running around with McTominay, um, Fred, Donny, and Paul Pogba, I think you need something a bit better than that. So I think that's where they need to improve. And yeah, a, a fail of a season, I think. Yeah, I think I think I think a um, couple of areas that would be key to improve. I think centre back's right one to go next to Harry Maguire. I don't think Victor Lindelof's the answer. I think a better defensive midfielder. Like much better um, if that's what they're going to play because I think the games that you see Scott McTominay be the best player in are generally games that Manchester United struggle and you don't want to see that and I think it's a, a that's a part of that problem where they can't create because there's no like he's not quick enough to move those balls and do those nice things um, and the other thing I think would be good is a change of manager uh, just put it out there highly unlikely <laughs> but just like again they just like it's the same problems that we've had for two years trophyless for four years. As you said, they've they've snuck into second, but I think that's more around the other teams imploding around them, um, like Liverpool, Chelsea to, in the first half of the year, Leicester City. We know they were going to fade heavily, um, and Spurs just having an absolute horror show. But yeah, I think oh, I just feel like they're they've gone like softly, 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 and kept going softly, softly with the changes. So in the space of two years, nothing's really changed. Yeah, that's that's what I feel as well. It's like with with Ollie, so he's been there. Is it two? He's been there three years now, hasn't he? Well, three two seasons, half. two and a half, yeah, mm-hmm. and like nothing's really changed at United. They're not any no. better. They're not any worse, but they're also not any better. They're just, just yeah. sort of, they're just sort of like cruising along. And I mean, maybe that's that's enough. Not obviously not for the fans, but for the the Glazers and and Ed Woodward. It's like consistency, top four. Like they're getting in there. It's great. They like in like financially, they're a bit more secure, but. Yeah, you're not actually challenging for anything, and the fans of United definitely will not have that. But I imagine yeah. that commerciality will erode over time if this keeps happening. Like that, the things that they're worried about, like they will fall off a cliff. But and then it will be like, oh, how did that happen? And well, you haven't been successful for a very long time. Yeah, mm. I think the way that the way they're going, the only way that they're going to win a title is if Man City and Liverpool slip up. As opposed to Manchester United winning it, does that make sense? Like, yeah, but that, like I just absolutely have... can't see that happening. Well, that happened to Liverpool, but it, it's unlikely it happened to both teams next year, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. and they've also got a much, much more yeah. solid Chelsea to try and deal with next year as well, right? That's that's mm-hmm. another story as well. Yeah. At the time mm-hmm. when Not they could away. have potentially challenged for the title, there was like a you know a very long stretch for a four week period or something, but they absolutely bottled it. The results were horrendous. I think that's yeah. the time they lost to Crystal Palace. Like they, they just, they just can't handle it. Mm. Mm. All righty, enough about those boys. Uh, Liverpool. So I think ended the season quite well. I mean, most formed team in Europe. Nine of the last ten wins. Uh, got the UCL football that they needed. Obviously devastated with injuries throughout the season and some really big key injuries. But uh, how did you uh, view Liverpool's season, Josh? I think in the end, like it almost like it is. I think it's a big disappointment if you look at the whole season. You're like, that's not good enough, and they had like moments where they bad. But if you look at the end of the season, you're like, 
oh, it's actually all right. Like I think it's it's a very low like scraping a pass mark because they got into the Champions League from where they've been. I feel like um, people saying Virgil van Dijk got injured in the injuries and all that like lets him off the hook a little bit easily. Um, I think because the Gomez problem with injuries was known, the Matip problem with injuries was known, you're going to have to put Alicandre in there at some point. Um, missing Jordan Henderson hurts as well. But, yeah, I think they still needed to do better than what they did through those periods. And, like, they've, you know, the loss to Villa 7-2 was an example. But, yeah, I think, I think I'd have to give them a pass based on the, all those factors and how they finished the season. Yeah, I I agree. I think they they had a uh, pretty rough season with injuries, and yeah, they, they were looking pretty honking for a while there. Um, like Van Dyke, obviously huge out, and then Hendo as well, um, captain and sort of leader of that group was out for a long time, which doesn't help. But yeah, you're right. Their squad depth was really exposed um, with those injuries. And they have actually already started to address that. They've apparently activated the release clause of Kanate from uh, RB Leipzig. So he'll be a good addition to that squad and hopefully bring a bit more consistency in that centre-back position. Um, interesting fact about Kanate. Do yourself some research offline at his injury history over the last is, two years. Is it, is it bad? It is bad. Just it's, so they I need think another injury prone centre-back. It's like th- 300 days in the last two years or something he's missed. Really? Yeah. I thought him and Upamecano were like always playing together. No, he's got he's had hip problems. Um so he, oh, he does have a bit of a he does have a bit of a reputation as being injury prone. Well, if anyone can handle it, it'd have to be the Liverpool medical team. <laughs> have to be. Or they'll make it worse. Alrighty. Alrighty. Moving on to Chelsea. So um Finishing in at fourth, so good that they got the UCL qualification. Um, they were actually in eighth and looking pretty poor when Tuchel took over in January, I believe it was. And obviously, he's completely transformed that side and got him into the Champions League final. So, Sean, I'll throw it to you. What did you think of their season? Well, it might be too early to judge um, Chelsea's season. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they lose the Champions League, which I think they might... Yeah, is it just an okay season? But then given all that money that they've spent, you'd probably want something a bit better. But if they win the Champions League, obviously it just flips their whole season around to being one of the greatest ever seasons. So I think you've probably got to leave that pending. Um, But in the Premier League, um, I I think, yeah, probably just a a pass mark. I think you had a change of manager during the year and a lot of new players to bet in. So if we're just talking about um, Premier League, I think it's just a a pass mark. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I, uh, I agree. If you take the whole season, yeah, it's a pass mark. If you look at Tuchel since he took over, like I think he's probably overachieved from when he came in and, and what he's made this team look like now. And yeah, you're right. If they win the Champions League final, then it's a fantastic season for him. I don't think it's a failure if they if they lose it, but yeah, it obviously takes a bit of the shine off off um, off the off of Tuchel a little bit. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think again, it's the same. Like the way they finish the season kind of gives you a bit of bias. Um, but yeah, if they, I think if if they do win the Champions League, obviously it's a fantastic season, great achievement, mm. unbelievable. But the league, the league, they were very underwhelming for the first half of the year. Um, Frank didn't seem to have any idea what he was doing. But yeah, I, I just feel like they're building so nicely into next season that like you give them a pass mark. But Roman won't be happy. But the one thing you do know that Roman does better than other managers. Like other owners is he's like, let's go out and buy some players. 
Like, let's just throw some cash at the problem until it goes away. <laughs> or he'll sack the manager. That's a good way to deal with your problems. All right. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to Leicester. So, um, finishing in fifth. So, a little disappointed they couldn't make Champions League. Um, but obviously, got, got won the cup. So, Sean, I'll give you one minute on why Leicester's season wasn't, the clock. Uh, wasn't a failure. And, and you cannot... You cannot use the FA Cup as a as a as a winning point. <laughs> All right, start the clock. Jeez, that FA Cup winning was huge, wasn't it? That really defines the season. Um, no, I think it was good. I think that it's it's ideal that Leicester starts competing um, a little bit more um, aggressively in those cup competitions. I think if you're in that second tier, trying to you know close the gap between the so-called big six, I think that that's a, a good way to go about it. Um, some low-hanging fruit. Um, been FA Cup or League Cup. I think that was good. Disappointed again to miss out on the Champions League, but that squad's just too thin. Like it's just wafer thin, and it's not the it's not the players, it's not the manager that's there that's any type of the problem. Like there's no you know big mistakes that cost them or, or no tactical decisions made by Brendy um, that made them move out of that um, Champions League. It was just yeah, it's lack of depth. And as soon as the injuries come in, Leicester squads just um, wafer thin, and, and they fell out again, which is disappointing. But at the same time, I think longer term, it might be better for Leicester um, to go into the Europa League and take you know some more baby steps into Europe as opposed to jumping into the Champions League. I think if they jumped into the Champions League, what you might find next year is that their league form would, would really suffer. Um, so, yeah, long term, it might be better for them as much as it hurts. Yeah, fair, fair oh, point. Yeah. Fair point. Anything to add, Josh? No, there's a lot of lot of words in there, wasn't there? Um, yeah. No, I think I think overall, um, yeah, obviously the FA Cup success means it's been a great year for Leicester City. Like first one ever, is that right, Sean? First yes, ever. first yep. ever. Fifth of um, but those those late season fade outs are really starting to um, starting to worry me a little bit. Like if they want to be the big want to play with the big boys, they need to stop fading out at the end of the year and and hold on to that top four spot because they were in the top four for the longest of any team this year. Um, but two years in a row they've faded out and dropped off some teams that, like Manchester United, who I think aren't as good as them. Um, so I think there's a bit of work to do for Brendy and hopefully the owners will put some cash in um, and they seem to be well-loved and maybe that FA Cup money goes back into the squad. But I think a pretty good year for Leicester City. All righty. So moving on to West Ham, the Hammers. Great season for Moisey and the boys. Um, no one would have seen them finishing as high as they did. Uh, genuine contender for UCL for a bit there. So, Sean, Jobba, just a couple quick points on how good their season was. You, you, you start, Josh. Yeah, look, really enjoyed everything about their season. Um, Moisey's got them looking so solid. It's like he's Everton of old. A uh, couple of savvy signings, getting Suchek on a permanent. Um, Dufal or Kufal, Bufal, what's his name? Um, yeah, Kufal, I think it is. Kufal, I think it is, yeah. Um, I always mix, mix up Kufal and Suchek. Um, Kufal came in, uh, Fornals has done well as well, and obviously Jalen's has just played the house down. So Moise has got them looking solid. No reason why they can't keep the ascendancy going, but they would be the surprise back of the season and A++ for them. Sean? Yeah, I thought um, normally when um, players go there, in this instance, J-Lings, um, that's where careers go to die. Um, but yeah. he he actually turned it around for himself and and for West Ham. I think he was one of the um, one of the better players, um, not only um, in the 
in the West Ham team, but also um, within the league. So, yeah, huge um, second half of the season for him. And it's good to see him back up and about. But, yeah, West Ham massively overachieved. And now they've got to try and convert some of these um, players they got on loan, like Jay Lings, into um, permanent signings. And, um, yeah, strengthen up. Probably need to do something at the back um, uh, and upgrade some of their, their defenders. I think Dawson um, is really up to it if you want to push for those Champions League spots. But, yeah, definitely overachieved. Alrighty, so we'll skip past Tottenham because there's not enough time in the day <laughs> to discuss how shit they were. Um, we'll move on to relegation, but before we get down to the bottom end of the table, I just want to touch on Everton and just remind everyone how shit they were at home. Just don't <laughs> let anyone ever forget that. Anything else, Dad? <laughs> got, got any stats to back that up, Sam? Or is that just off the dome? Uh, too many bets. I've uh, got fifth. 15th in the home form table. So in that's what they finished in the Premier League. So really piss poor. And they only managed to make it look somewhat all right by winning 1-0 at home uh, late doors in the season. So ah. but yeah, outside of that, really bad. But we'll move on from Everton because uh, no one wants to keep talking about them. So we'll move down to uh, relegation. So uh, Fulham, how do we feel about them? Oh, geez, they yeah, they went down with the whimper in the end, didn't they? They <laughs> really went down with the whimper. Really Parker did. took them down. Um, the only upside was, as you mentioned a few times, Barney, was his dress sense. Um, but <laughs> yeah, everything else was um, disappointing from Fulham. I thought they would have scrapped a bit harder, especially early on. Um, you know, they, they were bottom um, for a lot of the season. But, yeah, disappointing, but I'm not shocked by them going down. Jobber? No, I, I, I'm very disappointed, but, yeah, not shocked they went down. They they played a attractive football in the championship, but I don't know. Do you think – I don't want to focus too much on negatives because I know, Sean, in the first half of the season we showed a lot of hate towards Fulham's defence, and rightly so. Um, but do you think Scotty Parker will get a job again in the Premier League? No, nah, not in the Prem, I don't think. I think the championship's probably his level at the moment um, and unless he can, um, you know – He's still only early in his career as a as a manager too, so I think he's got yeah. a lot to give. Thirteen draws killed Fulham. Like they needed to turn some of those obviously into wins. Um, I think that's like second most in the competition. They needed to turn those into wins. They just couldn't do it. They didn't have quality. All right, let's move on, Barn. Nothing more Alrighty. on Fulham. All righty. So West Brom, Sam Allardyce taking him down. First time he's officially been relegated as a manager, but he's already left. Good on the big man. Uh, anything to add from you, boys? Oh, just that they were piss poor. I'm not shocked by them going down either. Um, and uh, the the thing that makes it worse is, at least at Fulham, um, you had a go at trying to play some football, and you had a like a style or an identity. But West Brom went down playing bad football um, with poor results. Do you know what I mean? You got the worst of um, both worlds. So, yeah, rubbish deserve to go down. Conceded the most goals out of any team in the league at seventy six. So yeah, not not a good time for the West Brom defence. Anything to add, Josh? No, no, I, I agree. They were always going down. They were awful. And the worst thing about them for me was like when the when the time came that they really needed to scrap and fight, they got hammered like three weeks in a row. Um, mm. So they, they were just never in it. Mm. What? Alrighty, um, moving on to the cellar dwellers, <laughs> Sheffield United. I thought they finished so, ten. They went from being possibly the worst Premier League team of all time to actually getting more wins than West Brom and Fulham, <laughs> surprisingly. So, yeah, it's like 
massive turnaround from where they were last year, almost qualifying for Europe and then getting relegated. So very disappointing. What did you boys think? This is the one that shocked me. I said the last two didn't, um, but this one did. I'm surprised they were they were that bad. I thought, especially you look at their um, last season, they just scrapped so hard and were just so tight at, at the back, mm. um, which and they really just ground out results um, like wins and draws, which was, yeah, obviously got them to where they were um, last year. So yeah, I think this one shocked me. I think it was a bit disappointing. Um, I, like I know that they, they eventually they had to change um, Chris Wilder. He he had to go just based on, on results. So, yeah, I'm wondering if they'll bring him back because I think, like, again, he's one of those ones where he's interested in that space where he's top of the championship a lot um, but can't really cut it in, in the prem um, for a sustained amount of time. So, interesting to see if they bring him back. So, we do have an, a managerial update for Sheffield United. Mm. They hired um, Jukanovic, who used to manage Fulham and got them up to the Premier League, not most recently, but the time before that. So it'll be interesting. They'll obviously play a lot nicer football, but it'll be interesting to see if he can get them back up and if they actually stay up if he gets them up. Yeah. yeah. They just they just didn't evolve, did they, at all from the previous year? And those no. games are winning 1-0 turned into 1-0 losses. Um, yeah. and that, but, like, I remember that that uh, the Derby team and the, and the Sunderland team that got, like, less points than them, and they were absolutely oh, shit. So I don't know Sunderland if Sheffield United were... Oh, that's, they that's were the team was so bad. My God. Yeah. Was Derby disgusting. was shocking as well. I remember, I think it was 2007, 2008. Derby were an absolute disgrace. <laughs> disgusting. Mm. Alrighty. So uh, I think that wraps everything up for us. That's it. Uh, anything else for you boys want to add in before we check out? Yeah, Barney, boys, give me a tip. So who's going up into the Premier League, Brentford or Swansea? And who's going to win the Champions League final quickly? Oh, you ch- I'll go. Yeah. I'll go, Sam, because I'm, uh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> on me. Um, I, I think that um, Man City will win the Champions League. I think they'll do it rather easily as well. Um, the longer this goes on, um, I'm upping my bets each time on on Man City. So I think I think they'll do it comfortably. And in the playoffs, I think Swansea will win, but I'm hoping for the bees. Come on, you bees, Barney. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to follow Sean completely on all that. I think Man City way too strong yeah, for Chelsea and the Bees, uh, I want them to win, but there's something inside me that just tells me Swansea's going to win. But for the multi, come on the Bees. Josh? All right, boys. I think the Bees, the bees got lucky in the last round um, with the red card to Chris Meffham. So that won them the game. I think Swansea's going to go up and I, I think Man City going to win the Champions League and it's really going to pain me to do that. All right, hit us with the socials, Job. All right, if you want to get in touch with us, the email is footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Facebook is footballplayedonpaper. Uh, Twitter at footballonpods and Instagram at footballonpaper. Don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Very important so people can find us and learn. <laughs> Got to help that algorithm. From those, from those uh, knowledge bombs that you drop. Yes. All right, that's it. See you guys next week. Um, one last quick tidbit is um, have a look at Phil Foden's fringe. <laughs>